This is Dane Holstrom, Divorce Authority. We're going to be talking about a lot of different subjects in family law. There are some important items that I'm required to share with you so that you understand the limited purpose of my going over all of this information with you. No matter what the specific topic, it's very important for you to understand that this information is not intended as legal advice for any specific person or any specific type or actual case. My sharing this information with you is not designed to create an attorney-client relationship. Everybody's case is different and nobody's results are the same. Just because we may discuss what happened in some other client's case that may in fact sound similar to yours or some other situation does not suggest that your case or the results would be the same or even similar. The discussion of specific cases are fictionalized and may not be real clients or cases. The purpose of these podcasts is to help you understand the framework of how these issues are decided, provide you a better understanding of the process, and hopefully give you insight as to how you might prepare and conduct yourself and your case to get a better result. There is absolutely no substitute for a consultation or hiring a competent, trained family law attorney. And I encourage you to seek out such an attorney as soon as practical in your case. Divorce Authority is a brand and registered trademark of Holstrom Block & Park, a professional law corporation. I've been practicing family law for 30 years. I've been certified by the state of California as a family law specialist. So I know a thing or two about divorce. I'm Dane Holstrom, and I am the Divorce Authority. I'd like you to get to know a little bit about me and why, frankly, you should listen to me and some of my life experiences and legal experiences that help make me the attorney and the person that I am today. Because one of the things that an attorney does with clients is it becomes far beyond the attorney and client, we become, as I've talked about in other episodes, a part-time therapist, a part-time economic advisor, and we wear a variety of hats. And I try to tell people when I'm changing hats and moving from one room to the other, but it becomes a very personal relationship, and it's very important to understand who the person is. I, though I've been a divorce attorney for 30 years, I've been married and have four kids, married for 40 years. And one of the reasons why I've been married for 40 years is all of the things I've learned in my practice as a divorce attorney. I have four adult children. The oldest is 40, that's Kristen. She's the assistant managing partner at Holstrom Block and & Park and the founding partner in the Custody Queens. My younger daughter, Taryn, is an entrepreneur extraordinaire and a fitness instructor. My oldest son, Taylor, was a Hobie Baker nominee at Penn State playing hockey and is waiting to take the California bar exam. My younger son, Zachary, is attending Sandra Day O'Connor School of Law in Arizona. So I've got a lot of really great kids with a great mom and a good relationship. And all of that is most of who I am when I'm not in the courtroom. When I'm not practicing law in the courtroom and I'm not managing the law firm, one of the larger family law firms in the state of California, I enjoy my hobbies are flying. I'm a pilot for 10 years. I love playing guitar and I love being out on the water. And these are the things that make me who I am. And I'll share a lot of those stories with you anecdotally as we go through this process. So thank you for allowing me to share a little bit about me so you know who it is you're actually listening to. Today, our episode is about moveaways. What's a moveaway? Well, a moveaway is a particular type of custody case. So a custody case is obviously what it is. It's where two parents have a dispute or a disagreement about what's going to happen with their kids. Where are they going to live? 
Uh, how much time are they going to spend with one parent or the other? That's the classic custody case, and it may be more about timeshare or maybe more about visitation, in which case it's not a custody case, it's, it's a, what we call it a visitation or a timeshare type case. Why is that different? Easier to resolve, uh, number one. Number two, we're not talking about a dramatic change in a custodial arrangement, and that's what a move away is. Move away is kind of the Moby Dick, the great white whale of custody cases because it has such monolithic consequences to a parent-child relationship. And there is such an abundance of law from the state of California that relates to how the court should handle them so that they're handled consistently the same. So what is a move away? A move away is any parent is going to relocate where there is an existing custodial arrangement, i.e. they've got a schedule. Maybe they've been separated for a couple years. Maybe they've been separated for two months, but they have an existing what we call de facto or status quo custodial relation, relationship. Whatever that is, could be 50-50, could be 80-20, could be every other weekend if you don't want to talk in percentages. It could be a 2-2-3. Two, 2-2-3 two, three. Two, two, three is a common arrangement, often very common when, there's, when the kids are typically between, let's say, four years old and probably 11 or 12 is when it's optimal from a psychological developmental perspective for a sharing arrangement for kids. So that would be Mom has Monday, Tuesday, Dad has Wednesday, Thursday, and then they alternate Friday to Sunday. Very common arrangement. Could be one parent has a lion's share of time for whatever reason, whether it's because there's a problem in the other parent's house or it's because the parent has a really horrific work schedule or they travel a lot or whatever the very legitimate and appropriate reason is. It's just the court has made a decision or the parties have made a decision that the existing arrangement is in the best interest of the child. That is the go-to standard for every custodial arrangement is, is it in the best interest of the children? A little bit about background to custody. So often parents talk about my time. They use the word my kids, my this, my that. Um, I'm entitled to my rights. And guess what? No, it's about what's best for the children. And the law starts from a presumption that frequent and continuous contact with both parents is what is best for the children. Many people confuse that to be a presumption that there should be a 50-50 arrangement. And that's not true. Should there be joint custody? Well, we've talked about custody before, and that is physical custody, where the children are going to live, and legal custody, who's going to be involved in making the decisions that are important to a child's life. Things like, are they going to get a medical procedure done? What school are they going to go to? Are they going to be homeschooled? Um, various things like that that every parent has an absolute right and responsibility to be involved with. That's joint legal custody. Joint physical can be still a very diverse schedule. It doesn't have to be 50-50. It can be one person has Friday to Monday and the other person has Monday through up to Friday pickup. So it doesn't have to be a particular percentage or schedule. It can still be called joint custody. Some courts use the euphemism of shared custody so they can get away from that confusion. And Some people say, I, I must have joint custody to be a good parent. That said, once you have a custody arrangement done, once it's set up and it's in place, now a parent says, I want to relocate. Well, when does it become a move away? Is a move away if they want to relocate across the street? No, I can tell you that's not going to be a move away. Okay. 
um, unless the street happens to also be like a state line or something like that, and it might be. Why? Because schools change, things like that change. A move away is generally defined, and I may not be using the exact words, but you get the concept. A move away is generally defined as a relocation that will have a detrimental effect or impede the other parent's ongoing relationship and access to the child. So there's a long list of cases and divorce attorneys and courts usually refer to the cases by name and what they stand for relative to this. Well, Move Away started with a case called Burgess, God, probably now four decades ago, and ending with La Mouche, decided in 2004. And in between there, there's 25 cases decided between Burgess and La Mouche. Burgess and La Mouche, as I recall, both of them are California Supreme Court cases, the highest court of the state of California, whereas most of the other courts were appellate courts, so intermediate courts will make a decision. And that decision, even by the appellate courts, say from Northern California, are still binding on Southern California unless there is an inconsistent decision in Southern California and vice versa. That's a rather complex rabbit hole. I don't want to go any further down, but you get the idea that all of the courts follow all of the appeals unless there's an inconsistent ruling in their district. So Burgess says, hey, if you want to move 30 miles in the facts of that case, that constituted a move away. So here in Southern California, what's a classic example of a move away? Well, think about the worst freeway in your neck of the woods and imagine that a parent wants to go 30 miles the wrong direction on that freeway. That would be an absolute move away. Why? We're changing schools. We're talking about a commute. So by way of illustration, if you have a parent, two parents living in Orange County, and they got to get on the 91 freeway to go to Riverside County because a parent wants to move out there, you've just added probably two hours to the drive, okay? Is that going to impede a parent? Sure. More importantly, how is that drive going to affect the child? And is it going to affect the ability of a parent to pick up on Friday evening? God, I don't want to be on the 91 freeway even with the toll road, okay? Insert freeway of choice. Can it be the 405? Can it be the 5? Pick your freeway. They all got nightmare areas. That constitutes a move away. A change in school districts. A change in a variety of things. Um, and then what? once we defined it as a move away, we've said it is a move away. How do you have the ability to move? Wow. That gets really, really complicated because sometimes the status quo may not contain a court order that says you're not allowed to relocate, you're not allowed to move. Well, some attorneys that craft judgments and some people without attorneys don't put all the language necessary in their judgments, in their court orders relative to custody. And as such, it may be possible that somebody could move and then change visitation later on. But it's also possible that that can have negative consequences. So for every case that you're thinking about having, it is critical that you have a discussion with a competent family law attorney to talk about your options in your case. As a hypothetical situation, two parents, unmarried, they're already living apart, and maybe there's no court orders, and one parent decides that they want to relocate with the child. 
And so they decide they're going to go ahead and move to New York. Well, guess what's going to happen? The other parent, more likely than not, is going to run into court and ask for an emergency order to have that parent return the child. Holy shit. Now you've got a parent who's moved to New York. They're done. I mean, it's set. They probably got a new job, new significant other, new whatever. And the court has effectively changed the custodial arrangement because the first parent acted improperly. It's important to get a plan, as we've talked about in other episodes, and follow the plan. Sometimes it's better to ask for forgiveness rather than permission. Sometimes that is very dangerous. And so how do you get permission if you need it? First, you make a paper trail. Well, you reach out to the other uh, party perhaps, and you say, hey, I'm thinking about relocating. What are your thoughts? Maybe the other parent's okay. Maybe they say, absolutely not. Maybe they say, well, I will, but only if you reduce my child support, <laughs> which is a common response. So, or I will, but you need to pay for the air transportation back and forth, which may be a very reasonable request depending upon the relative incomes. So there's a lot of issue, but step one is always to ask. If you don't ask and you just rush to court, then the court's going to think badly of you for not asking or trying to work it out with the other parent. Why are move aways challenging? Well, we're going to get to the ultimate analysis that determines whether somebody should or be allowed to relocate with the children. Uh, a key point to keep in mind here is the court has no authority to tell a parent that they cannot move. Every person, every adult in the United States has an absolute unrestricted right to travel unless you want to go to Hawaii during COVID. Okay? But other than that, the government cannot say you can't move. You have to stay here and take care of the kid. In fact, what the court does when they engage in a move away is they start with the presumption that you're moving. And they make orders based upon the expectation that you're going to move. And the order will be kid moves to, with, with moving parent or kid stays with non-moving parent and then arranges visitation accordingly. So, God, what are they going to look at and what's involved? Well, first thing that happens is there's two kinds of hearings in family law courts. There are what we call, or used to call, riflerized hearings or non-evidentiary hearings where people file declarations and then go into court, argue their case in the court rules. Modernly, most courts, particularly when parties have counsel, have what are called evidentiary hearings, and that's where a party has a right to call witnesses. Each witness testifies. We're not relying on written statements. We're actually gauging the credibility and thought processes of each parent and each witness. Who might the witnesses be in a move away? Well, frankly, anybody that is part of the child's universe is potentially a witness in this case. Well, who is that? Well, clearly both parents, okay? But who else? Well, new significant others on both sides, okay? Maybe not siblings because of the relative ages and, and the disdain that most good attorneys and courts feel about putting children on the stand unnecessarily. But what happens if, if a sibling might be leaving a half-sibling? Is that not potentially a serious issue? Absolutely it is. So these are all issues that the court has to wrestle with to figure out, starting with the best interest. But the reality is, the way we do a move away is we look at it differently. And we say, wow, let's look at what move is contemplated. Are we moving to New York? Are we moving to Arizona? Are we moving 
uh, to another county, adjacent county? How far are we moving and is it going to shake things up? Well, by way of illustration on that, is it practical to have, if the current schedule is alternate weekends and the parents moving 30 miles, can we tweak the schedule and maintain the same custodial arrangement? Answer, probably. Maybe we don't want to do Friday night pickup, but maybe we extend the weekends to Monday. Okay? We may have an issue of how the kid gets to, the child gets to school on Monday morning. We've got traffic issues to think about, school issues. Um, these, are, these are all relevant. Another important point to realize is this. In a move away, the court starts with an expectation, an understanding, and indeed an assumption, presumption, that the existing arrangement should not be changed. What do I mean by that? The existing custodial arrangement. So if dad is the primary parent, then you know what? We presume that that is in the best interest of the kids because either one, some court already decided that, or B, more importantly, the parties decided it when they reached an agreement. So if the parties or a judge has already said that the child being primarily with dad is the most important, guess what? We're going to start with that presumption. Okay? So this is not a, a necessarily a, a, an idea to change custody. So if dad is now the one moving, it starts with a presumption of, hey, we should maintain that custodial arrangement. Unless. Then we look at what's called, obviously, the best interest that's always relevant. But now we look at detriment. In every move, there's going to be some detriment. There's going to be the child's been in the same Little League group for 10 years. The child's been in the same school, the same school friends. And obviously, it affects different children of different ages and different developments differently. And that's all addressed, okay? Is, is somebody's on the, the starting quarterback for the high school football team, okay? All of these are very, very important to determine whether or not the detriment of the move outweighs the understanding that the existing custodial arrangement is in the best interest of the child. And then we look at the universe, the universe, the child's doctors, dentists, psychologists or therapists, teachers, all of these are part of this child's universe. And the court looks at it from a holistic perspective of we are removing this child from their universe. And while the custodial arrangement with dad may be best, in the best interest of the child, taking the child from the universe overwhelmingly may trump that to where the court could decide, you know what? Nah, this move that is contemplated by dad has so much detriment attached to it because of loss of a relationship perhaps with a parent that in fact we're going to give custody to dad. Um, most of the move away cases, and there's probably 25 or 30 of them, where a primary custodial parent wanted to move, they were almost always successful. Almost always because of that group of factors. And what do we mean by successful? I mean not only at the trial, I mean going up through all of the courts of appeal to including perhaps the Supreme Court of California. Why? Because of that very strong bond between the primary parent and a child. 
the, you can guess what the only case, <laughs> the only Supreme Court case, and the absolute leading case on all move away issues. We've talked about it already. La Mouche. La Mouche was a primary parent who wanted to move, and the Supreme Court, the trial court, all the way up the ladder said, no, we're not going to let you move. Why? Because of the detriment. The detriment in La Mouche, really profound and kind of a great read, is in this case, that mom in that case was so destructive to the father-child relationship that the ability to foster and support that relationship would absolutely die if mom was able to relocate with the kids across the country. And that became the core of the decision that it would be too detrimental to the lifelong best interest of the child than letting that child stay with the primarily custodial parent. So all of these have nuances to them, but it's also, the court looks at other factors too, and I'll go through a few of those, but I wanted you to understand that, that that's the ultimate analysis. It's best interest and the detriment occasioned by the move. And when I say there's always a detriment, yes, there may be benefits, but there's always going to be a detriment. The detriment might be the length or cost of a plane ride. The detriment, last lock of contact with siblings, step-siblings, things like that. One of the other very common factors in a move is, really the test is, is it a good faith reason to move? Okay, and sometimes that's disguised, and I'll talk about that in a second. In other words, somebody wants to move because they have a new significant other who happens to be based or stuck in another area or state. Is that a good faith reason? Yeah, the court says that is. They've got a job offer for a better job. Is that a good faith reason? Absolutely. The reality is almost every reason is a good faith, except when it's not. <laughs> My favorite case in that regard is a case of a woman who wanted to move from California to Florida to become a student in parapsychology. The gist of that was that the court effectively saw through the excuse for a move and saw it really as an attempt to get away from the father of the child, which meant getting the child away from its father, and the court denied it as being moved, move being done in bad faith. That case is kind of isolated, but it stands for that proposition. As long as you have a good faith reason for the move, then the court cannot block the move just because it feels bad. And a classic example of that, there was a case where we went through what's called, we, the court in this case, I wasn't involved in it, what often happens in a move away case, and that is what's called an evidence code section 730 evaluation, also known as a psycholog psychological evaluation, a psyche eval, various phrases. What does that mean? That means the court appoints a psychologist to interview and sometimes psychologically test the parties and kids and come back with a report and recommendation of what custodial arrangement is in the best interest of the kids. And if they're really good at what they do, they do more psyche valves than some, then they will also address the detriment factors of La Mouche, which is really what they need to do. In this particular case, a psychologist did a full psyche valve and said the following. Well, 
mother is clearly the better custodial parent because I believe um, the child will will miss dad um, I think that we should order mom to stay here and I think as I recall the trial court said that makes sense to me you know this is what's best for the kid and and the Court of Appeals said yeah no that's not the test the test is we want to respect the custodial arrangement and we want to look for detriment but we're not looking for the best possible alternative we're not starting over we're not undoing what we did 10 years ago when we made our first custody order what we're doing is this custody order is going to stay unless there's a reason to change it and because the psychologist did not find a reason to change it except in that psychologist opinion the ultimate best arrangement was to re-engineer the custodial arrangement and the court said no we're not going to do that so while a psychological evaluation is often used in a move away case it is not necessarily determinative that brings us to a couple of other questions well again back to the process step one have a plan <laughs> okay have a plan talk to an attorney about your options before you make any steps please don't call the moving truck then tell your spouse and then have your spouse file the court case and then you hire an attorney because by then you, you, you screwed the pooch okay we got to undo it so you get a plan then execute that plan might be asking for permission then it might be filing for the court if you've got a full-on move away buckle up because it's probably going to take you a long time to get the hearing on it and get it done that means going to court possibly doing certainly doing mediation at court possibly doing a custodial evaluation setting the matter for an evidentiary hearing with cross-examinations dealing with cancellations and postponements that are rabid particularly with covid and then finally having your hearing and getting your court ruling and even if you get a court ruling that says you can move state law of california says you're not allowed to do it for 30 days after that hearing so this really can drag out and you really need to plan for the long haul by the way contemporaneously that is one of the huge reasons why we want to talk about moveaways i'm guessing everybody knows somebody who's moving apparently half of them are going to idaho and the other half's going to texas because that's what i'm hearing but it's a real reality whether it's job opportunity because somebody lost their job because of covid or they just don't like california anymore which we get a lot periodically um, a lot of people are moving and guess what if you have a former spouse or co-parent in california who doesn't want to move with you then you got an issue you got a move away challenge how long does it take to resolve a move away case well that depends on your courthouse if you're using the public court system and i'll tell you what i mean the alternative in a second then you're kind of at the mercy of the court you're at the mercy of whether they're shut down because of covid you're at the mercy of the psychological evaluation which may be done remotely which frankly scares the heck out of me as an attorney thinking that everybody's making their decisions based on looking at somebody in a camera like this okay versus being able to gauge their demeanor and their credibility and things like that which are so important to the judicial process but that's what it is but guess what happens you may have a trial set for three days on your move away case and then some other case bumps your case and they postpone you for another two or three months how long does it take 
A short end might be six to nine months, long term might be a year and a half or more because of how the legal system works. There is an option for those that can afford it, and that is going to what's called a private judge. There is a large number of private judicial arrangements where retired family law judges will hear your case and be locked into your case until it's done. And, and for those that can afford it, and frankly, most people can, and I'll explain what I mean by that, even if they think they can't, then that's the way to go. It's the way to get it done. Two huge reasons. One, the time I already talked about. Understand that a family law attorney's hourly rates may be $300 an hour on up to $1,000 an hour, depending on the attorney. Imagine you spending $300 or $500 an hour for your attorney to sit at the courthouse hallway for two or three hours waiting for your case to be called and then told to come back in two months. And you just get a bill for $2,000 for your attorney sitting on their butt in the hallway because they have to because they're at the mercy of the court. And the time. Private judges aren't cheap. Three to $5,000. But the reality is if you do that continuance thing two or three times, you could have paid for the private judge a couple of times. So the only challenge is both people have to agree. The challenge with a move away, what's going to happen when you go to the non-moving parent? You say, I want to speed up this process. What are they going to say? Yeah, no. I think I'd like to just make this as long and as uncomfortable as I possibly can. And that's part of the issue as well. So there are challenges in a move away because, God forbid, you've already accepted a job. You're either going to lose the job or possibly lose custody of your child if your goal is to move with the child. And so always make a plan. Make a plan before you accept the job. Make a plan before you buy your plane tickets or hire the mover. Please make a plan and talk to competent counsel. Please remember, every move away, like every custody case, is different. There are unique aspects of each and every one. The, the verbiage that's in your judgment or court order, okay? Um, what the reason is for moving. And, and most importantly, of course, the relationship with, between you and your co-parent. If you have a healthy co-parent relationship and you can approach it from a perspective of, hey, look, I need to do this for our child, okay? And it's not about me. You make it about me, you've already lost, okay? Make it about the child, what's best for the child. If you reach a healthy decision that says, I'm going to move and leave my child, guess what? That's a great decision of a parent if you truly believe that's what's best for your child. So if you've got a good co-parenting arrangement, that is the basic foundation for try to resolve it, it amicably. But again, do so after consulting with competent counsel. Thank you for joining us on this discussion about moveaways. I hope you found the information that we provided helpful. If you'd like additional information, you can visit divorceauthority.com and download our free ebook, Divorce 101. While it does not specifically talk about moveaways, it absolutely does discuss custody and other matters for your divorce or other custody matter. I'm Dane Holstrom, and when I do, turns to I don't, turn to the Divorce Authority. Thanks for joining us.